From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for... Uh, it's Wednesday, January 6th. The year is 2021. And we're going to do something different today. I've not had uh, somebody on to talk golf fitness in a couple of years. Um, so it's going to be good to get back into this. We welcome in from Core Performance Golf in Oakland, New Jersey, Jim LaFrat. Jim, welcome to Teeing It Up. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. So, uh, first of all, tell the folks who you are, because uh, a lot of people will not know uh, what what you do and what your job is, and and uh, who are you basically? Why why would somebody be coming to Jim Lafrat? Well, I am a seasoned golf fitness professional, which means we are uh, a golf specific personal trainer, to put it in layman's terms. Uh, most of us have have had experience in the corrective exercise field, which is one step past post-rehab. If you go for rehab after surgery, you release from rehab, you go to a post-rehab specialist, and then we do corrective exercise also, which also um, non-invasive ways to help fix your body. And um, you know, golfers are mostly white-collar gents uh, that I've come across that sit most of the day, so they have the same tight, naggy muscles that hinder their ability to play well and we try to diagnose that and we come up with a physical fitness remedy and this is something that i think a lot of people may not realize is vital so we will get to it um as we go along in this podcast a lot of people don't realize that at every pga tour event there are there's fitness trailers and vans with trained people to do exactly this to get their golfers in shape and ready to go. So let's take a step back before we get into what you do and tips for the new year. Um, let's go backwards to how did you get involved in, in uh, personal training and fitness? Uh, I was a high school student and I played you know team sports and our coaches demanded that we got into weights. You know, I played football mainly and get into weights and they gave us a challenge if we didn't progress from some measurements and some testing by the next season, we couldn't play. Of course, we're a global sophomores and freshmen. We <laughs> ran to the weight room and started doing exactly what all the bigger guys did, yep. trying to get stronger. And I enjoyed it. And um, a family member of mine was a competitive bodybuilder. In 1983 or 82, he had won Mr. New Jersey. And he said, hey, you like it? I'm like, yeah. And he gave me a real live routine. He told me what to do, showed me you know, the ropes, and I excelled at it. I just found a lot of interest. I loved biology and muscles and you know, origin and search and all that stuff, and I just stuck with it. And um, when I was 19, I bought my first gym. And I've been in the gym business ever since. Uh, gym is a TPI level three um, and, uh, certified golf specialist. Now I know what TPI is, but for, but for the folks out there, uh, tell them what TPI is, first of all, and then tell them what is special about level three and why they should be looking for people with that level of certification. Well, I was a certified trainer since 1987. There's tons of governing bodies out there that organize information to make sure that the trainer has an educational background. He's not going to injure um, the client. Uh, the first thing they teach is how not to hurt somebody. That's your first rule of thumb. So... Um, I guess Dr. Greg Rosen was a chiropractor and a physiologist, and Dave Phillips is a golf pro. They got together, and they brought this uh, educational curriculum to Titleist, you know, the golf ball company, and told them a plan, a long-term plan they had. They said, if we can educate trainers 
golf professionals, PGA professionals, and physicians on how to get keep people playing golf longer. They'll play golf this much more. They lose this many balls, and you guys can make this much more money over the next couple of decades. So uh, TPI stands for Titleist Performance Institute. It's just an educational curriculum that is specific to golf, the golf industry. Um, and um, there actually is, if I'm not mistaken, I think there is an actual Titleist Performance Institute. Obviously, this is now a uh, curriculum that that you can do anywhere, but I believe there actually is one in California, if I'm not mistaken. Calabasas, California, yes. Yeah. You, go. you can take a level one uh, prior to the pandemic, a level one seminar, uh, you know, regionally around the country. I was in New York, they have it in Newark by the airport. A level two, you have to go out to California for it's a three day, in, you know, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal facility. The facility's incredible. Besides the gym area, there's a gym, there's a fitting bays, there's all kinds of testing sites, and every bunker from every famous uh, club around the world, you can, you can go there and practice. And, um, well, there's a lot of pros there getting fit and doing whatever. And then also for the level three, you have to go out to California and do a practical and be there for three days, and it's pretty cool. It's, it's very educational, very eye-opening. Jim LaFrat's with us. He is a golf fitness specialist. So um, let's go now from you bought a gym, you um, you know were involved in, in team sports, obviously. You, you, you were weightlifting. You've had this affinity for, for physical fitness and personal fitness. How did you end up at Core Performance Golf? Tell folks kind of the path that got you to where you are today. Well, I owned the gym in 1987, and I decided I no longer wanted to own a gym in late 1998. It was just too much, and I just wanted to be a trainer. That's what I am. I'm a trainer who owns a gym, and I just love training people. So I went locally where you know, I lived in northern New Jersey. I got a job at a gold gym locally where I kind of grew up, and everybody knew me, and everybody wanted me to train them because my gym was that I owned was a couple towns over. So I had built a large clientele, and a bunch of the clients were older, and they all played golf, and they were insisting that I come to meet their friends, because you know all this corrective exercise stuff. I'm like, I don't want to train golfers. I want to train people who really want to be in shape. These guys aren't, aren't fit. They don't really care about that. They just want to play golf. I really wasn't putting two and two together that my corrective exercise background would help them. I just bought them as golfers. I didn't think of them as regular clients. But one lady in particular who I currently train until this past summer, so I've been training her since um, November 5th of 1998 until this summer she moved to Florida. Uh, so whatever, there's 20 two years. Yeah. Her name's Carol Lossie. She convinced me to come to North Jersey Country Club and meet a bunch of her husband's friends that play golf. And um, I knew I could help them from what I knew, but I, I, was, I was certified as a trainer through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, where I was also a corrective exercise specialist. They had a curriculum that was a golf fitness specialist. So I took that certification. So that was 1999 uh, to get a little more insight and then I really didn't do anything more with it, uh, golf fitness-wise, until 2010, when I got involved with TPI and really went full bore. And I gave up general fitness at that time and just focused on training golfers. Jim LaFrance with us from Core Performance Golf in Oakland, New Jersey, here on Teeing It Up. All right, now let's get into corrective exercise and the importance of this as it pertains to golf. 
When somebody comes to you and says, hey, my lower back's bothering me, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? What is basically when, when, you, when somebody comes to you and you ask, okay, why are you here? And you say, for example, the lower back, what's the process in figuring out what's wrong, what you need to do, and, and how does that pertain to uh, 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 corrective uh, um, exercise overall? Well, we do a very in-depth, TPI taught us a very in-depth 16-point um, assessment process. Mm. We screen the golfer from his neck to his ankle um, to see what's not working. We're not, we don't really care about what's working well. We care about the weakest link of the chain, what's hindering you. That's really what's ailing your swing and your body. Also, we do a walking gait assessment. We do a static flexibility assessment where we don't warm the client up. We just do a light stretch to see what's tight. Also, we also do a swing speed assessment to see what their baseline is because some of the greats out there all believe in swing speed is your potential to play golf. Low swing speed, low potential. High swing speed, high potential. So we just get some baseline numbers where your base fitness level is. But usually after our walking assessment and the 16-point TPI assessment, I know what's wrong. I can tell them. I'm telling them as I go along because I whittle it down to just training golfers. I do one thing all day, so it's easy to diagnose what the problem is when you look at golfers overall it's not a natural movement right i mean especially the follow-through and and kind of transferring your weight and ending up on your front leg for a lot of people it's not natural for a lot of people they're using muscles that they've never used before um and yet so many doctors after knee replacements hip replacements whatever the case may be say golf's one of the best things you can do because it's low impact and um i know for my mom after having double knee replacement you know she joked you know when can i start playing five on five basketball she had uh uh uh, uh she had zero intention of actually playing basketball it, it was more as a joke and the therapist said seriously golf's probably the best sport for you long term. So when you have these people that come to you, fresh off getting a knee replacement, a hip replacement, they're new to the game, what's happening? What's 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 wrong here? And what should people take from this conversation in terms of uh, if you're on the older side and if you have had some kind of procedure or have been recommended for golf and now you're doing a non-natural movement, which, which golf is uh, for a lot of people, what would you say to those folks? First of all, if you're going to play, you really should get a physical assessment because it doesn't matter um, the club brand. All the club faces, like here at the end of the season, guys want to buy new clubs to make them hit it further next season. Every single face of those drivers are conforming to a certain number that the USGA allows. So no club really lets you hit it further than another. It's, It's... protected so there's kind of no cheating it's a protected thing so the what moves the club is your body if your body's broken down you, you got to get it fixed just if you have a cut you have to put a band-aid on it or get stitches so if you get an assessment from a trainer just to see how you're moving you know what's tight the tight muscles going to hinder you a lot of gol- a lot of pga professionals don't know the fitness side so they tell someone hey you really want to unlock your hip turn your foot out well, turning the left foot out a lot of times makes the ball go to the right for a righty golfer. Uh, drop your right foot back. A lot of times that makes the ball go left. These are like um, quick fixes, but they don't work for people with poor flexibility. They work for people with good flexibility. Right. 
So you really need to get an assessment just like anything else from a golf professional, a golf fitness professional, the best person, but a trainer can help them also before they really dive into golf, trying try to swing hard and walk as far as they're going to walk. And, you know, it's, it's a lot, especially if they've never done it. Golf fitness expert Jim uh, LaFrette. Excuse me. Golf fitness expert Jim uh, LaFrette's with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, so with that in mind, one thing it says on, 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 on the Core Golf Performance website, coregolfperformance.com under the fitness um, uh, page, is through technology and education, even uh, uh, clients are beginning to understand that achieving their end goal might require some customized corrective exercises, which could mean taking a step backward before they mean forward. Uh, 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 sorry, move forward. How much, because this is one thing that, having talked to golf pros now for writing articles for PGA Magazine for eight years, I hear this all the time. People want perfection right out of the gate. And they don't understand that sometimes you have to go through the trials and the, and the tribulations to make the swing changes that'll get your ball in the right direction. Is it the same for fitness? Do people sometimes have to get worse before they get better in terms of their golf game by physically doing not, things better? Not necessarily get worse, but they would do things like floor work, laying on the floor and doing some things with their upper body posture. Um, hoping you, know, you see a lot of guys in the course, especially public courses, an older man, he's in front of you, he's all bent over to take right. the tee shot. And the first thing he does is he stands up. The reason he stands up because your body wants to put you in extension. That's the first thing. You always train extension, which means good posture. And then the second thing you need is, rota- is to rotate. But the gentleman has such poor posture because how old he is or he has injuries, he can't rotate. He has to stand up. And then he swaps the ball and the ball goes dribbling down the fairway or it goes a big banana out to the right. Um, so you really, there's a lot of things you could do on the floor to help them strengthen up these weak muscles and just put them back in the right posture so they can rotate. Since golf, you know, you need to rotate somewhat. Um, you don't give them a barbell to start doing curls or lay them on a bench and do bench presses. That's actually the far end of the performance end when you're ready to turn them loose in a tournament. So the corrective exercise part really works for everyone. I was training Jason Gore this year for a while, and we did some stuff. He said, I've never seen this stuff. Where did you come up with this? I go, it's corrective exercise. Because it's exactly what I need for my left hip. I'm like, I know. I, I can tell when you walk. You know, he had something going on with his right hip, too. The ball club got very steep. Just a couple weak muscles. We worked on it, and he played better. And I think part of that, too, and, and it also says uh, the golfer's most common injuries are to low back, shoulder, knee, elbow, and wrist. The practice of corrective exercises is designed to address these injuries as well as postural and structural flaws while improving strength, balance, and speed. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like this can also be a proactive measure, not a reactive measure to an injury, but a proactive measure in the sense that this is an opportunity to, um, uh, you know, come to somebody from the get-go. Let's say you are rededicating yourself to the game and your teacher and your, you know, um, uh, trainer are trying to get you on the same page and you can proactively to your point get that fitness assessment figure out you may not even know because it doesn't impact your daily life that you know your your left hip is is weak or your left oblique is weak or whatever and start doing the strengthening exercises immediately so that when you start 
changing the way that your downswing is and trying to get the club in the right spot, your body can be in a better place. Do I have that right? Yes, indeed. When you said before about people come in and say their back hurts, it's kind of funny because most of the time their back hurts, it's not because of their back. It might hurt. It's because of the front. Uh, the muscles in the front are so tight and short, it puts their lumbar spine out of position. It's very, very common. Um, I've had guys come to, and work in the medical field, very smart people in the medical field. They like, have really bad back. Once I assessed them, I go, you don't have a bad back. You have a bad core. You have bad hip flexors. You have bad this. He said, wow, I've been, I've been training a guy five years. He has no back problems at all. He's down with two handicap. He goes out there and slaughters his buddies, and he tells every time he brings a friend in, he goes, I thought I had a bad back. He told me I had a bad core. He was right. You know, so you really don't know what's, it's a shame to say people really don't know what's wrong with them. They're assuming what's wrong with them. Yeah. You get an assessment. And, you, you, and, and I always think about the reverse of that, which is my mom as a kid taught me that the cure for any kind of pain was M&M's. Well, <laughs> you and I both know that M&M's are not a painkiller, um, but it's a lot of playing with the mind. And here we have to reteach people in the sense of you may think you have back problems but in tiger's words once he got his spine fused the force has to go somewhere else and that's where neck issues or obliques or or something else can pop up hip issues um you know can can pop up from forces going um to other places jim uh, lafrat's with us here on teeing it up what's the biggest golf fitness myth that you see out there Believe it or not, everyone thinks you have to stretch. Stretching, stretching, stretching. There's a four-step process to fix any dysfunctional muscle, and it's called the corrective exercise continuum. And what that means is it's a four-step process to fix dysfunctional muscle. The first step is the foam rolling. You know, you ever see the, the foam yep. rollers are popular now and those guns, that, the stero guns that you use on your hip? Yep. That's called inhibiting. That helps break up the muscle adhesions, the tight muscles, the fibers that are locked together, or deep tissue massage. But people don't, don't have the time to go for an hour massage and pay $125. So the foam roller is pinnacle. After the foam roller, then you stretch. So when I tell clients, they come in, they go, should I stretch, then foam roll? I go, would you get dressed for work, then go in the shower? They're like, no. I go, you can do it, but it's inefficient. The most efficient way is use the foam roller, deep tissue massage, then stretch. Once those muscles start to gain some movement, some extensibility, you do what they call an isolated strengthening exercise. So a uh, compound exercise would be a bench press. It's your pecs, your triceps, your front delts. We want them isolated. So we don't want to work the pecs, the front delts, the triceps together. We want to work the triceps alone, maybe the pecs alone, the front delts alone. We're just using that for example. Most of the time we're working on the hip, the ankle, the you know, glutes, what have you. We do some very strange off-the-wall exercises to isolate those muscles. Once they're working efficiently, because you, know, you have a left side, you have a right side. When you feel they're almost the same, the client gives us feedback. Yes, yeah, it feels good. We integrate you back into uh, compound movement maybe a lunge, a squat without a barbell, you know, certain things to reintroduce that muscle into a proper working with the family instead of working on its own. Because once again, we're only as strong as our weakest link. And that's how we really go through everything. Oh, you just stretch. Foam rolling would be my first recommendation, and then stretching second. Because we've done uh, a few uh, case studies kind of at this facility with our track man, with myself, my partner, one of our buddies. We stretched. 
and we hit some balls and checked the swing speed numbers. We foam rolled, hit some balls, checked the swing speed numbers. Foam rolled and stretched, hit some balls. And then we just did some corrective warmth exercises. And what we found gave us the most swing speed was the foam roll, then stretch. And then we, we picked up, you know, seven, eight miles an hour from not doing it, which is a big deal. It's, uh, I think one mile an hour is 2.4 yards of carry. So that's another almost 10, 10 yards of the tee. It's vital, for, especially for a lot of weekend golfers. Any distance they can get to get clubs that are easier to hit into their hands, short, you know, short irons versus middle irons, um, that is a game changer. Um, yes, sir. Uh, you kind of touched on this just now, but taking a step back from like a 30,000-foot view, um, when you look at golf fitness in general, um, and I'm, I suspect you're going to say what you said earlier, um, and the answer to this would, would be yes, but is the biggest key to golf fitness in your mind just seeing somebody who's an expert in this area? Is it merely um, just seeking somebody out that knows what they're doing? Is that the biggest tip you can give folks out there besides the foam rolling and everything like that, but just like a 30,000 foot tip is just see somebody who's an expert in this? Yes, and the best way to do it truthfully, I mean, I know I'm in the fitness industry my whole life. I have a bunch of friends who are trainers. And they said, I'm, I'm training the golfer now. We're doing a lot with the medicine ball. I only train golfers, and I don't do a lot with the medicine ball. That's a fallacy. What you need to do is to find someone who's versed in, you know, most TPI trainers, like myself, know some, something about the golf swing also. Uh, MyTPI.com has a professional um, search. You can go on there and search for golf professionals, medical golf professionals, fitness professionals, and there's people everywhere. Uh, there's level one to level three. Level two or, or up is really the best. A level one is really just teaching you how to assess. Uh, but what do you do with the information once you have it, unless you've been taught what to do? So a level two or better. Uh, there's a few more level threes now in New Jersey. There wasn't many before. But um, searching for you know, a golf fitness professional would be the best way because he knows the golf swing. There's a lot of great personal trainers out there, but they don't know the golf swing. So they really can't help you the way someone like I can, if golf means that much to you. Jim LaFrance with us on Teeing It Up. All right, let's take a break from talking about golf fitness um, to, and that's fantastic information, so so thank you, Jim. Um, let's take a break from talking about that to do one thing that we do for every single first-time guest on this podcast for the 13 years that I've been doing it, which is we ask you one totally random question. It's nothing personal. We're not looking for any of that. This is just a total random, off the wall. You were not prepared for this. It could be on any topic in the world, from what color you take notes in, you know, uh, what color pen to whatever. So, are you ready to go? I guess so. All right. When you wake up in the morning and you go to pick out your outfit for the day, and let's say you're not going to work, so you can wear whatever you want. It's not like you have to wear a, a work-issued uniform. What is the deciding factor as to what color you are wearing? Depending on what I wore yesterday. I wore either <laughs> blue or black. <laughs> I said it was a random question. 
Yes, it is. I'm a Yankee fan, so I'll wear blue one day, the next day I'll wear black, I'll wear my favorite Ralph Lauren stuff. But, uh, <laughs> it's an alternating pattern, except if I'm going out somewhere, I'll wear something better, but the alternating pattern, blue or black. Would you rather train Tiger Woods or have front row seats to the Yankees for life? I'd rather train Tiger. Huh. I know I can help him. Even as a Yankee like, fan, a diehard Yankee fan. Yes, sir, because I go to a lot of games myself. I just I take my boy, we sit in the outfield and have a time that you can't, you know, can't surpass. But uh, I love to train him just because he's been with a lot of guys, but he hasn't had any corrective exercise guys. Mm. And now, down deep inside, besides after his surgeries, of course. Right. But uh, I know I can help him. Okay, so here's the final um, thing that I want to touch on uh, with you, which is a lot of people get confused between should the golf swing match the body or should the body match the golf swing? And I think a lot of people look at someone like Tim Lumpy Heron, and that's his nickname. I'm not you know, saying anything. Uh, 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 sorry, I am not saying anything negative towards him. That's that, that's his nickname, Colt Nost, golfers who are on the heavier side versus, you know, Justin Thomas, who soaking wet's probably 152 pounds. So should the swing match the body or should the body match the swing? That's a tough one for me because I, I kind of have formed my opinion through, I think, in my opinion, uh, the golf greats, Hank Haney, Butch Harmon, Mike Adams, uh, Mike Bender, uh, Chuck Cook. I've met a lot of the guys. I'm good friends with Mike Adams. And um, I actually spoke with Hank on his show a few times. But I spoke with Butch Harmon in Hawaii a few years back at the tournament. And I introduced myself, and he was like, whoa, who's this guy? Crazy trainer from New Jersey. He said to me, he goes, what's your name again? I go, Jimmy. He goes, Jimmy, you fix the face, you're going to hit a great shot. You hit a good shot, sorry. If you fix the body, you're going to play great golf. He goes, you know the body's the most important part. Mm. So he, that kind of, and I felt that way also because if your body's broken, you have to swing what your body's making you swing. Right? You have to swing over the top. You have to, you're casting because your hip is messed up. If your body's fixed, the swing is going to match what you give it. So it's kind of a tough question if you're just saying the way the person's built. I don't have an answer for that one, but I mm. feel if we fix your body, you can swing the club as good as you're able to. Right, and you can, you know, if you're looking to draw it, you'll, it, 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 I think your bottom line is if the body is fixed, you can then go to your swing instructor and say, okay, what do we need to do? I am, I am now in the position to do anything. You know, should I fade the ball constantly? Should I draw the ball constantly? How should we do X, Y, Z? I, I feel like you're in a better position to figure that out once your body's fixed. Yes. You're right. Um, so, just to recap, tell the folks out there, A, if they're looking for a TPI level three or just a TPI um, certified trainer in general, what the website is to find out that information. And then if there's anybody in this area, the New York, New Jersey area, wants to get in contact with you specifically, how would they go about doing that? Well, the mytpi.com, mytpi.com is the website that hosts all of us golf fitness professionals, as well as PGA professionals and medical professionals that are educated through TPI, golf-specific stuff. Uh, it's mytpi.com. They have a professional search there. And my recommendation would actually be a level two or better. 
because I know some just regular personal trainers who did the level one and never went any further. And just because he's near you, okay, uh, level two or better, because it means we're, we're into it. We paid the money, we spent the time, and you know, we're golfers. Um, for myself, my facility's at Oakland. It's Core Golf Performance Lab. And um, my website is www.coregolfperformance.com. And um, my cell number is 973-464-7775. And uh, the more broken down a person is, truthfully, the more fun I have training them. That's my forte. I love taking guys that are a mess, you know, lack of a bad word, and making them great. And I've been very successful over the years. It's a very fulfilling job. In 13 years of hosting Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling from the WQAQ studios at Quinnipiac University to the Blog Talk Radio days and now to the podcast days, you are the first guest to ever give out your cell phone over a podcast. Congratulations. That's fine. That's my work. That's fine. I love it. I love it. Jim LaFrat, um, thank you very much for joining us on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Super insightful. I hope people get a lot from this, and it's been a pleasure having you on the show. It's been a pleasure you having me. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope you all learned uh, something out there. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, at Jay Schiller if you're looking to find me on Twitter. And we will see you next time on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. <laughs>